This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. So I want you to take your copy of God's Word, open your Bible, or swipe, whatever you need to do. Amen? Whatever you need to do, it's the Word of God either way. And we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I want you to look at verse 19. This is what the Bible says. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I want to take just a little while and I want to talk to you about physically fit. Physically fit. As I was researching for this message and realizing that it's an area where many, many people struggle with, uh, I realized uh, there are a lot of people who uh, really battle in this arena. They try to get started, but even when you try to get started to being physically fit, it's a battle. It's always been a battle. I was studying two of the greatest preachers who ever lived. I mean, literally, the prince of preachers. One of them was a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon, and one of them was a man by the name of D.L. Moody. Now, now let me tell you about Spurgeon. He was a great preacher, but he smoked cigars. He was a cigar smoker. Charles Spurgeon said it's okay to smoke cigars as long as you smoke cigars in moderation. And they asked him, they said, well, Brother Spurgeon, what is smoking cigars in moderation? He said, no more than two in your mouth at one time. <laughs> D.L. Moody was going to meet Charles Spurgeon. And he walked in and Spurgeon was smoking a cigar. And D.L. Moody, the great preacher, reached and pulled it out of his mouth and said, you're killing yourself with those cigars. And Charles Spurgeon looked at D.L. Moody, who had a big belly, and he took his finger and he stuck it into Moody's belly. And he said, you're killing yourself with a fork. <laughs> well, in some capacity, even the great ones struggled with this issue of physical fitness. Now, you know, here's what's interesting, folks. If, if we talk about getting physically fit, I, I don't think it's brain surgery. I don't think I can really share a whole lot. Perhaps you, you don't know. Uh, in order to get physically fit, we've got to eat healthy. Amen? We've got to eat healthy. I mean, a balanced diet's not a hamburger in each hand. We've got to eat healthy. Okay? Well, uh, we've got to, we got to exercise. 68% of people are overweight, 68% of people in America, and 70% of people in America don't exercise. It's ironic, 68% overweight, 70% don't exercise. Do you realize this, folks? Your child, my child, our children, our children, on average, spend seven and a half hours every day looking at a screen. Whether it's a TV, whether it's a video game, whether it's a computer, on average, your child spends seven and a half hours a day looking at a screen. So, pretty simple. We've got to 
exercise. We've got to eat healthier. We've got to get enough sleep. You've got to get enough sleep. You've got to get enough rest. And then you've got to reduce stress in our lives. Now, people many times have a plan to get physically fit. They, they got a plan. But most fail in the plan. And let me tell you why I believe we fail in the plan to get physically fit. Number one, we base our goals on appearance. We base our goals on appearance. And I want to say to you, you've got to have a greater motivation than that. Because even when you reach a point, I'll promise you, you will relapse. So we don't get physically fit because we base our goals on appearance, on how we look. There's a second reason why we don't reach our goals. We depend on our own willpower. We depend on our willpower. And folks, the secret is not our willpower, it's God's power. You say, well, where do you ever get a thought like that from the Bible? Look what it says. Have no confidence in the flesh. Not a little bit. It says have no confidence in the flesh. Many times we can't get physically fit because we're depending on our own willpower where we should be depending upon God's power. And then there's a second, third reason why that we fail is we try to do it alone. We try to do it alone. Look what Ecclesiastes 4 says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. We try to do it alone. I was reading about a lady by the name of Jean Nadich. That lady right there, Jean Nadich, she started Weight Watchers. Now, I'm not trying to do a commercial for anything. I don't do weight, sell Weight Watchers or anything, so get that out of your mind. But she started Weight Watchers, and she said this was her motivation. It's all about accountability. And she said, when I was a young girl, I used to go to the park. And she said, mothers would take their children to the park, and they would sit around on the park benches and talk. And she said, I would see the children on the swings, but they couldn't swing themselves. They couldn't swing themselves. So she said, I would go up to the children and give them a push. And then they would start pulling themselves. They'd start swinging. And she said, as a young girl, I realized what people need is a push. What people need is a push. We need one another. And folks, this is, I'm going to move quickly, but on February the 3rd, we're launching our life groups. And folks, if you're not in a life group, get signed up to be in a life group. If you want to host one, you can host one. But either way, we need one another because I want you to know I need a push in every area of my life, and you need a push in every area of your life. And so I would encourage you to do life with others, and your life will be better. Now, here's what I want you to see. Pastor Benny, 
How should I look at this area of physical fitness? Well, I want to say five things. The first thing I want you to understand, God expects me to manage my body. God expects me to manage my body. I was, uh, I was in Dallas, Texas, and I was doing an interview on a TV station called Daystar. And they said, you're going to be the guest with a, a lady, a lady preacher. And I said, that's okay. It's great. And they said, her name is Marilyn Hickey. You'll be back in the green room with her. And I'm back there, and I look at this lady, and she says to me, I'm getting ready to go to Pakistan and preach for three weeks. I said, Miss Hickey, you're going to Pakistan to preach three weeks. She said, three weeks. And we began to talk, and I began to get comfortable with her. And I said, well, you look like you're great. She said, Pastor, I'm 87 years old. I said, no, wait. You're 87 years old, and you're going to Pakistan to preach the gospel for three weeks. She said, yes. She said, Pastor, remember, you want to have a successful ministry? You don't get a do-over with the body. You, you, you don't get a second chance. You have a responsibility to take care of your body. There's many people who will never be able to do everything that God wants them to be and to do everything that God wants them to do because they're physically unable to be everything God wants them to be and to do everything that God wants them to do. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. What is fornication? Fornication is sexual relations before marriage. What is adultery? Sexual relations with somebody other than your mate. God's provision, you can, I mean, you say he's old, he's old, he's, he's dated. I don't really give a rat's in. Listen, listen, God's provision for sexual fulfillment is marriage between a man and a woman. And what did God say? God said, you have a responsibility to manage your body. It shouldn't be, there shouldn't be sexual immorality, but it shouldn't be dominated by food. God expects me, God expects you to manage our bodies. One lady got drunk one night. The next morning, she felt terrible, and she said, I hate it. When I get overserved, <laughs> overserved, we have a responsibility, ladies and gentlemen. A guy goes to the doctor. The doctor looks at him. He says, I recommend a bypass. 
the man's eyes get big as a saucer's. A bypass, the doc says, yes, you need to bypass pizza, pies, cakes, and hamburgers. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you can't delegate it. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to manage our bodies. Let me tell you the second thing. My body's God's property. My body's God's property. According to 1 Corinthians 6 and 13, it's not my body, it's God's body. It's not my body, it's God's body. Somebody said, it's my body, I can do what I want to with it. Well, there's where you missed it. It's not your body. It's God's body. Somebody said, Pastor, if I want to smoke, I can smoke. I mean, I've been asked a lot of times, Preacher, can you smoke and go to heaven? Sure, sure. You just get there before the rest of us. <laughs> I've helped a lot of people to quit. Two steps, two steps. These are the steps you're writing them down. Stop and suffer. I asked a guy the other day, I said, how's, it, how's that working out for you? He said, Pastor, it's going great. The only time I want one is when I'm awake. <laughs> I, I would encourage you to quit. I would, if, you, if you smoke, it just, I'd encourage you. It's not, it's not, not the unpardonable sin. not going to send you to hell. Uh, no way, but I would encourage you. I believe you'll feel better. I believe you'll feel better, better because cigarettes are killers that run in packs. You'll just feel better. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm more spiritual than you are. I just, I'd, I'd like to help you do that if you could. Uh, you say, well, Pastor, it's my lungs. No, 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 no. They're not your lungs. It's, it, they're God's lungs. Well, Pastor Benny, I, I, no, no, I, I, I'll do what I want to. It's my liver. No, 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 it's God's liver. Uh, it's my stomach. No, 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 it's, it's, it's God's stomach. You say, well, I, it, it, I don't sleep like I should. It's my body. No, 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 it's God's body. Folks, God expects me to manage my body, and my body's not my property. It's God's property. Let me tell you the third thing. My body will be resurrected. Your body will be resurrected after we die. Look what 1 Corinthians 6 and 14 says. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Now, here's what I want you to understand. God never wastes anything. God never wastes a hurt in your life. God recycles everything. God takes all the good. God takes all the bad. And he uses it for good. God never wastes anything. And by the way, God never wastes our body. Here, here's the way it is, folks. Your body's a 1.0 right now. It's a 1.0. But one day you're going to get a 2.0. It's just a 1.0 right now, but one of these days you're going to get a 2.0. And you say, Pastor, what's my body going to be like? Well, 1 John 3 and 2 tells us, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doeth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we're going to have a body like Jesus' body. That's what the Bible says. Well, well what kind of body did, did Jesus have? Well, well, how was his body from his physical body to his glorified body? What, what are some things about it? Well, first of all, it was similar in appearance. Look what Luke 24 and 31 says. It says, in the glorified body, they knew him. You said, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to look like Jennifer Lopez. No, you're not. You're going to look like you. 
Amen? You say, when I get to heaven, I'm, I'm going to sound like Whitney Houston. No, you're not. He was recognized by his voice. You're going to sound like you. Yes, it, 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 it's going to be similar in appearance. But I'll tell you something about this new glorified body. The limitations are going to be removed. Because according to the Bible in John 20 and 26, in this body, Jesus just walked through a wall. Rocks and tombs couldn't keep him in. Walls and rooms couldn't keep him out. I mean, he just walked through a wall. Just, just walked through a wall. That's, that's the new glorified body. And here, here's some encouraging things about the glorified body. In the glorified body, you're going to be able to eat. <laughs> According to Luke 24, verses 41 and 42, Jesus ate in the glorified body. You're going to be able to eat. Never gain a pound. It's going to be awesome, folks. But here's the catcher. Here's what I want to ask you as I move on. If your body doesn't matter, why is he going to resurrect it? If your body doesn't matter, why is he going to resurrect it? Let me tell you the third thing. The Holy Spirit lives in your body. The Holy Spirit lives in your body. According to 1 Corinthians 16 and 9, 6 and 19, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Think about it, folks. In the Old Testament, he had a temple for his people. But in the New Testament, he's got a people for his temple. When you come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. He's here to lead you. He's here to direct you. He's inside you to give you power in your life. He's inside you to bring things to your memory. He's inside you to help you understand the Bible. Think about one night, what if you passed by this facility and you saw the church being vandalized? They were breaking the windows. They were writing graffiti on the walls. No doubt you'd probably try to stop them or you'd call the law. Say, we can't vandalize the church. Let me tell you something, folks. When we don't take care of our bodies like we should, we're vandalizing his temple. I'm just preaching the Bible. Just preaching the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less. You say, well, I'm not coming back next week. I better load your wagon while I got you here. Amen. <laughs> the fifth thing I want you to see is Jesus bought my body on the cross. Jesus bought my body on the cross. Where do you, where you get that? Well, I get it in 1 Corinthians 6 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20. For you're bought with a price. You're bought with a price. Last night I went to an auction. They had an item up there they was going to auction off, and I knew I gave this item. It was a football. It was a football signed by Kirby Smart. And I said, Barbara, I gave that item right there. She said, yes, yes. I went over to the University of Georgia. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I went incognito. Nobody knew who I was. <laughs> I went incognito, and I saw the coach, and I got the coach to, to sign this for me. And I gave that for this auction. She said, that's awesome. They started bidding. And that football went for almost $600. 
Wait, no, don't clap. Don't clap for something that carnal. That football went for almost 600. And, 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 and I, when he sold and I looked and a guy threw up his hand, I thought, what an idiot. <laughs> I paid 20 bucks or so and go over there to the school and I got him to sign it. And, this guy, and then it hit me. What something is worth is what somebody's willing to pay for it. How much was we worth? We was worth this much. That Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. You say, well, my body doesn't matter. Apparently, it does matter. Because he paid a pretty high price for it. He paid a pretty high price for it. He paid the ultimate price. When he went to the cross and died of a cast death for every one of us. We've gathered here today, folks. We've gathered here today to worship. Can I tell you something? We can't even do that outside of this. We can't do that outside of this. Let me prove it. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. I want you to know something, folks. When we worship God, when we worship God, we're saying we present our bodies a living sacrifice. Think about this. If you had a racehorse, if you had one like that, and he was worth in excess of $7 million, would you keep him up all night, feeding him junk food, making him smoke cigarettes and drink booze? <laughs> you say, there's no way, Pastor. Well, if we wouldn't do that to Fido, I don't know what his name is. <laughs> If we wouldn't do that to him, why would we do it to our bodies? Pastor, give me some medicine that will make me healthy. Now, I could, you know, I could, I could talk about a lot of things. I could talk about how eating fruit is mentioned 200 times in the Bible. I could talk to you about how drinking water, drinking water is mentioned 350 times. Somebody said, I love water. I love the taste of water. Water don't even have a taste. <laughs> but I could tell you, you should. When the prodigal son came home, they killed the fatted calf. I could tell you that tells me that they had red meat on special occasions. Amen? Amen? I, I'm just telling you. I can tell you according to 1 Timothy 4 and 8, we should exercise according to the Bible. A woman said, I felt like my body had totally gotten out of shape, so I got my doctor's permission to join a fitness club, and I started exercising. I decided to take an aerobics class for seniors. I bent, twisted, gyrated, jumped up and down, and perspired for one solid hour. By the time, but... By the time I got my leotards on, the class was over. <laughs> now, look. Give me some medicine, Pastor. I will, and I'm done. Peel number one. Worship is better than worry. Worship is better than worry. By the way, I've got good news for you today. People who go to church, on average, live seven years longer than those who don't. Worship is better than worry. 
You said, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing. What? Give me a translation of that, Pastor. Don't worry about anything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, worry won't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It will empty today of its strength, and it's hard on your body. But when you come and worship and you magnify the Lord, folks, it puts the emphasis on where the emphasis ought to be. When you see how great he is, your problems seem so small. So worship is better than worry. Number two, confess sins. You say, it's healing to confess sins, preacher. If you suppress it and repress it, it will depress you. Look what the Bible says in Psalms 32. When I kept silence, talking about David, this was after David has sinned. He said, I, I didn't confess it. My bones waxed old. Do you think it was affecting his body? My bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. He said, I couldn't rest. But look what he said. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. And my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. You can talk it out to God, or you can take it out on your body. You can talk it out to God, or you can take it out on your body. But it will destroy you till you deal with it. The third thing I'd say to you, having fun is good for health. Having fun is good for health. See, I believe it's okay to laugh in church. I'm going to do a church growth conference coming up pretty quick. I'm speaking to a group of pastors, I think, next week in Ohio. And I'm going to tell those pastors, if you get your people to smile, your churches are grow by 10%. I say that to you. If you don't have any teeth, just gum me to death. <laughs> Where do you get it, Pastor? Proverbs 17 and 22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Somebody said the family that prays together stays together, yes. And the family that plays together stays together. It's okay to have fun. And having fun is good for your health. A study of German scientists found that men who kiss their wives before they leave for work have fewer sick days, fewer car accidents, live five years longer, and earn 25% more money. How do they explain it? These families have learned to have fun. Here's what I want to say, and I'm done. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 6 and 14, but God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Every time I take a group to Israel, the last site we go to is the garden tomb. And I always go to the garden tomb by myself and I look I'll think there's where the Lord lay right there's where they placed him 
It was a borrowed tomb. No, re no reason for him to buy it. Amen. He was only going to need it for three days. Amen. Just borrowed. And I sit there and I look at that spot and I think, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, brought him out of this tomb. And then what hits my mind, that same power is in me. And that same power is in you. That same power is in every one of us. Every one of us that know Jesus. You said, Brother Benny, I can't do what I need to do. Yes, you can. You can do anything through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do anything through the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, I'm just ordinary. It's not in your power anyway. It's in God's power. God's strength is perfect when our strength is gone. And God can do anything, ladies and gentlemen, when we surrender to him. When we surrender to him. There's nothing that qualifies me to pastor this church. I don't have the abilities. I don't have the strength. I don't have the know-how. That's why I've got to totally depend upon the power of God. Nothing, I have no ability to decide where we need to go and what we need to do outside of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit more than we need anything else. We need Him. But there's nothing He can't do. Nothing He can't do. Nothing He can't do. A year ago, we have a campus in Macon. We relocated the campus. That's our campus. We relocated to Zebulon Road one year ago. That was a gymnasium. We went in there and spent $200,000 and made it a beautiful sanctuary. It looks, looks like this. I didn't uh, tell a lot of people. But after we'd been in it just maybe a month, the people who own the facility, after we'd spent $200,000, came and said, uh, we're going to sell it. I said, after I've spent $200,000? You, you, you gave no indications that you were going to do that. No indications. They said, we're going to sell it. It's on Zebulon Road. There's over 200 acres. I said, well, what, what are you going to sell it for? They said, we're going to sell it for $11.5 I said, there's no way I could get $11.5 And there's no way I can relocate this campus. I can't take these people back. I can't take them to a storefront. I can't keep moving. I, you're going to close our campus. They basically said, it is what it is. It is what it is. They said, in all likelihood, a developer is going to buy it and perhaps put a shopping mall, housing. But that's what's going to happen. And I, I never said anything, but I started praying. And it wasn't my prayers. But I'd get down on my knees and I had a chair. I've still got the chair. And I'd open my Bible. 
And I'd say, God, I need to make a miracle. I need to make a miracle. I've got 300 people down there. And they're dependent on, they're looking to me as their pastor. I, I, I need to make a miracle, God. And the people down at that campus were gathering and they'd circle the campus and they'd pray and they'd say, God, we, we, we need to make a miracle. This week I was walking into a staff meeting and the CFO said, can I see you just a minute? I said, sure you can. He said, Pastor Benioff, they have a contract on the campus. We're gone. I said, I sure hate to hear that. We're gone. I began to process as I went into that meeting what we were going to have to do. We finished the meeting up and they said, uh, the people that's purchased it want to sit down with you in a few days. And I went down into this boardroom and sat down with them and they said, let me say something before we get started. They did. They said, we bought the property. We bought it. But they said, more than anything, we want you to know something. We want you all here. And they said, uh, we're the rescue ministry of middle Georgia. I said, talk to me. They said, well, we take men and women that have no recourse off the streets. We take mothers, you know, many times that have children, they have nowhere to go. And they said, we, we house them. And we needed more room to house these women and their children and these men. So we bought this property because it's 200 acres and it's got a lot of buildings. But they said, one thing we want to ask you. I said, sure. Do you mind having about 150 more people at your campus? <laughs> because they said, uh, they said, we need a, we need a place for them to go to church. They need to be in church. And we'd like for them to be under your ministry and be under this church. We'd like for them to be. And then they said, uh, we had architectural plans. I said, you did? They said, oh, yeah, we had the architectural plans. We were getting ready to build. I said, oh, that's neat. But they said, about three weeks ago, we pivoted. About, I said, tell me that again. They said, yes, as a board, about three weeks ago, we felt that wasn't the will of God for us to build. About three weeks ago, we felt it was the will of God for us to buy this property. Folks, three weeks ago, I stood right here and I said, we're going to give this month to prayer and fasting and let's see what the Lord does. I don't know what you're facing. 
but I know our God's bigger than this. <laughs> I know our God's bigger than what you're facing. And let me, I, I want to quit, but I can't hardly, but I want to tell you this right quick before, before I leave and before you leave. I want to tell you something. God's not against you. You say, but pastor, I messed up. I, no, 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 I don't, it don't matter what you've done. God's not against you. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And no matter what you're facing, God is for you. God is for you. And friend, you can get victory because that same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And that same power can give you victory over everything you face. Not in yourself, but in him, ladies and gentlemen. In him. Oh, somebody said, is, is, this, is it impossible? Is it difficult to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit? It's impossible to live. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his power. We need his presence more than you need anything else. Hey, folks, can we just give God praise one time for all he's done? Can we just praise him for all he's done? For all he's done. Oh! one more time. Can we just praise him? Sure we do. Sure we do. We praise him. We praise him. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer, you repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make, and thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.